0: Hey, everybody. Jay Shalansky here from the Fifth Trooper Network. I just want to take a moment to thank you for checking out this show. Did you know that over at thefifthtrooper.com, we have tons of other content, including blogs, other podcasts, all kinds of stuff. In addition, if you want access to exclusive content, you can join us on patreon.com slash thefifthtrooper and join at any level and you'll get access to uh, exclusive blog articles, access to our private discord, and much more. So check us out and thank you so much for all your support.
1: Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion.
2: Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and Evan Paul. How's it going, gentlemen?
0: Hey. You're well, how
2: about you? Great. So, Evan, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself for those that don't know you from the blog? Uh,
1: yeah. So, Evan Paul and the other Evan, uh, not the not the one that everybody likes. I'm the one that, uh, you. I'm the one that you read about, and that sometimes you you realize you don't like. Uh, but some people are okay with it. I write I write a lot of articles. Uh, actually, Jay Jay gave me a trophy last year for writing the most articles. Uh, it wasn't the one for the best articles, but it was the one for the most. Uh, so I'm pretty proud of that. And uh, I wrote so many that uh, Jay agreed to let me be a co-editor along with you. Uh, and now we now we manage like a full squad of bloggers that includes uh the upcoming star wars TCG, which I'm already forgetting the name of a yeah, that's right. yep uh, and uh, we also recruited Matt Bronson to write about some chatterpoint stuff uh, so I help help edit uh, for. Legion and Shatterpoint. And then I write articles sometimes about real stuff and sometimes about nonsense. Uh, but luckily, you guys just kind of let me do whatever, uh, which I really appreciate.
2: Yeah, hey, if people read it, you know?
1: Yeah, that's right. That's all that matters. <laughs> and then uh, in terms of where I play, I'm I'm up here in Seattle, Washington. Uh, so I learned to play by getting beaten by uh, uh, Izzy, among others. Um we're, we're both still here. We're both of us are actually going to be headed over to Granada in a couple weeks to be a part of the, uh, world team championships along with, uh, from our site, Austin Miller is going to be there too. So I'm pretty excited about that. Nice.
2: Yeah. U S is fielding a few teams for that, I think. Yeah. Three teams. Yeah. And that's on February 2nd, right? Yep. Okay. Awesome. Um, that should be exciting so that's in a couple of weeks uh, last weekend we did have the las vegas open which of course occurred in las vegas that is a, a basically frontline gaming's hallmark tournament of the year primarily a 40k tournament but legion has a very large presence there as well it is uh typically the largest legion tournament of the year outside like the world championships this year it was 136 players. So basically eclipsing its its own record last year, which was, I think, a full 128. Um, so yeah, very large event on the West Coast. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the results. We're not going to talk extensively about the results because they were very similar to PAX with one notable slight exception, which we will talk about. Um, and then this will be our clone 101 episode. Clones are the last of the four primary factions that we have to discuss and they've been doing very well recently both in packs and at lvo spoiler alert so uh this will be our clone 101 episode evan of course you are a clone player which is one reason that you're on this week
1: mostly although my it, funny enough my best finish was when i was uh, joining the club and playing blizzard at he LVO was last traitor. year, he was a traitor. That's yeah, true. Mike, Mike was upset with me, but then he he said that we were cool again when I showed up back up with clones at uh, at Worlds, because I did I did feel guilty a little bit. I'm over
0: here at LVO running 501st. <laughs> and he's running speeder yeah. around the table.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, I
1: guess I guess the the two of us were the only ones who beat you at LVO last year that was
0: that's correct that's
1: because we were we were cheating and you were playing fair and that's just how it works
0: i was also playing with apparently undervalued (laughs) units considering my list got like 30 points cheaper and yours got like 30 (laughs) points more expensive (laughs) yeah fair
2: it was more than 30 points more expensive
0: sure i i'm not i'm not keeping track at all
1: Don't don't mind me also illegal
2: because you can't play operative vader in it anymore. yeah you had to downgrade
1: the vader sorry england (laughs) <laughs> uh, I had to, I had to kind of get them in there a little bit.
2: Yeah, Blizzard Force was good. No argument for me yeah. either, obviously. Uh Turns
1: out still is.
2: At that same tournament. Yeah, it turns out pretty good. There was in fact a Blizzard Force in the top 8 this time, obviously, with Commander Vader. Um that was the that was William Wharf, the Lone Empire representative in the top 8. There were also two Ewoks, two of the more specifically the 14 activation version with Han and Chewie. Um, almost identical lists, some slight upgrade differences. And then uh, there was a Wookiee list in the top eight. This one had Fluttercrafts in it with the bombs. The excellent um, Wookiee Fluttercraft from the Wookiee Battle Force. And then there were four Republic lists three Yodas and one Obi Wan Kenobi, who is the one that took the entire event. That was Nathan Gribble. So um, why don't we talk about this? Because I think this is the most interesting storyline probably out of LVO. Of course, over the last year or so, it's been kind of well understood, quote unquote, among clone circles that if you want to play a force user in clones, you play Anakin or you play Yoda. Uh, And Nathan obviously is not doing that because he's playing Obi-Wan Kenobi. So what do you guys think of this? I guess we could, you know what, let's run down his his list real quick. Um, We're not going to do all the top eight lists. If you want to read all of them in detail, you can check out our blog. I wrote an article that is out uh, the day we're recording. This is Monday, so it is out today. By the time you hear this, it will have been out longer than that. (laughs) Um, So you can go read that if you want to check out all the individual lists from the top eight. But I'll just read Nathan's list right here. It is Obi-Wan with Barrier, Push, and Protector. Cody, naked. Padme with C's and the looted E5, two phase twos with mortars and the clone medic, a phase one with an RPS and a clone medic. So that's three medics, if you've been counting, uh, an Echo Strike, and then a naked RT with a comms relay. So it's not naked. I guess it's not naked. Usually by naked, I mean like no, no weapons, not like no upgrades at all. Uh, but yes, to be more precise, a weaponless, hard pointless, more
1: specifically, ATRT with a comms relay. So. Which, as a reminder to everybody who forgot the ATRT existed in either faction, which is forgivable uh, lately. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Uh The clone version does have a native range three, three dice, impact one, critical one weapon, which makes a huge difference compared to the relevant version that I don't even remember because it's so insignificant. Uh, and like you would never ever run it without a hard point, but clones actually can do that and still. Some blinking damage,
2: yeah. The rubble one is like two white dice without, yeah, any special keywords or anything. Uh, the rubble one just ones a rifle. Just crit, but you know, yeah, you know. yeah. This one is a uh Merc Merc Sun RPC 2 rocket launcher, which is My black, favorite. white, white, and it has critical one and impact one. So, which obviously, when you have fire support possibilities, is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's there's one thing what what let me ask you guys this um what is it that Obi-Wan like specifically over Anakin and Yoda brings to the table
1: like why is he why is Obi-Wan here <laughs> Obi-Wan is theoretically capable of mitigating more damage over a course of a turn than either Anakin or Yoda can uh the the caveat is that uh Granted, he, Obi-Wan is going to have access to uh, Padme and Shared Dodges and then also Force Barrier. The other two have that too, right? But Obi-Wan has Seresu, and there's two there's two main advantages that go with that and one big, big disadvantage. The advantages are, one, uh, through Protector, uh, is that you can not only get crits, but also through Seresu itself. You can block high velocity shots which is a rulebook change compared to uh the pre-crb days when serasu behaved the same way as spending dodges any other way uh, which is that high velocity made it uh like you couldn't spend dodges so you couldn't actually activate the surge to block or the deflect part of serasu well and Um, before you move on i think it's worth highlighting kind of how
2: specifically that works Um, because uh, it seems pretty clear to me that this is like not intentional (laughs) Um, because high velocity, the high velocity keyword itself did not change. High velocity has always been the defender cannot spend dodge tokens. Of course, when Obi-Wan is using Suresu and Guardian, he is not the defender. But there used to be a bullet under Suresu Mastery that specifically said, if the attacker has high velocity you may not spend dodges while using sorcerer mastery um, that bullet since bullets were essentially like you know melded into narrative form paragraphs in the CRV has been removed um, you can obi-wan can still still cannot spend dodges when he is the defender because high velocity like it always has still prevents the defender from spending dodges but if he's using guardian he is not the defender and therefore you can still spend Dodges so um I I do uh, wonder
1: we will probably never find out but it's it's at least possible to me that there was an intentional like mini buff to obi-wan who I think has been was not thought of as doing super well uh they obviously didn't change anything about his card uh but I I could see this as being intentional compared to something like lead from the front, where I think to me and I think probably to most people it seems very obvious that that was just using the wrong word, uh, within yeah. instead of at like every other command card in the game. Uh, this one maybe maybe it was on purpose. Uh, I, I just obviously it helped.
2: I just think if you were to do a special Obi Wan carve out like that, you'd make it so that he can also do it when he's defending himself.
1: And yeah, it could be they thought it was too much to do that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it It is sort of funny to think of the fact that he's like, uh, he's better at, at defending people that are 10 feet away from him than actually his own body. Uh, but that's neither here nor there, right?
2: <laughs> that would be very Obi Wan, though, right? To be yeah, better that's true. At defending yeah. somebody else than defending himself.
1: I mean, when he defends himself, he just
0: throws down his lightsaber and <laughs> lets it
1: happen, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe this is more canon accurate than we thought. <laughs>
2: yeah. Anyway, regardless of whether it's intentional or not, that is how yeah. it works. It is. It is literally the only way in the game to spend dodge tokens. Um, when the attacker is high velocity. Yeah. So, uh, and it is, which, which is like specifically a counter to Republic dodge spam so in in theory
1: obviously not in this case (laughs) and but the other advantage is that just from a raw numbers perspective is that if you're doing guardian 3 against several different attacks in a turn is that you have the potential to negate a lot of damage like more than either anakin or yoda could uh, and you might also do some deflect damage back there's a 30% chance that you roll at least one Surge on two red dice if you're doing a full Guardian 3. And so that, over time, is probably going to add up. The big, big disadvantage is that in order to do all that, he needs to actually put himself at risk of taking wounds. Because if, like, any blanks that he gets, regardless of whether he spent a dodge, is that he's taken that wound. Um, and that, that will eventually add up uh, to the point where he, like, literally has to hide for the rest of the game. Uh, and he's not really going to be contributing if you get charged at. This list did have three medics to try to account for that. That kind of gives you like three oopsies on those guardian rolls until you have to start being a little bit more careful.
2: Yeah. I mean, basically, uh, when you think about it, obviously there's two blanks on that red dice and there's one surge. So you're yep. twice as likely for Obi-Wan to take a wound as you are to deal one back. Yeah. So even if you account for like the... You know, the three medics, that's essentially nine wounds yeah. on Obi-Wan, right? In in theory, obviously averages when you're talking about sample sizes like this are debatable, right? Yeah. Like weird weird stuff can happen. But you know, you should get like four to five deflect wounds before Obi-Wan dies on average. Um which to, like really isn't a lot, but it is all it is a nice bonus. Squad. Well, it's a squad um you know potentially those are from like a bunch of different units right which is less meaningful but it's also like damage that can't be blocked or mitigated in any way you literally just take a wound um and, and I, it's I, it's it's an interesting like psychological thing too i found
0: i mean people. taking like, deflect wounds really does. Yeah. Good.
1: yeah yeah especially because you know now the civil war snipers can actually take deflect wounds Right, which uh, which is kind of yeah. hilarious. Yeah, you have a strike team taking a
2: deflect, doing that. Yeah,
1: that, that hurts real bad. bad. Yeah, because <laughs> if you also have Echo in your list, then that strike team might be Gonzo by the next turn. Yeah, there's also nothing
0: you can do about it because it doesn't matter really what you shoot unless it's Kenobi. I mean, right. I guess that I guess that's really your only target. Um,
2: and presumably, he's going to be behind a line of sight blocker in this particular role. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, perhaps behind that ATRT.
2: Yeah, good point. Yep, can't shoot him through the legs. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to talk about that ATRT real quick. Um, the uh, I'd be interested to hear how useful Cody was in these games. I feel like um, the core list concept of this, like using Obi Wan to just eat everything is is great i feel like if you replaced cody and the rt with full arcs and a clone commander which is almost an identical swap on a point for point basis i feel like that would be more effective it's Um, actually
0: significantly cheaper
2: it's about 10 points cheaper i think yeah yeah um which
0: yeah that's not nothing (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
2: like (laughs) <laughs> that's that's almost i mean there's there's only that's, three that's four units that's these like orders
0: or something to a z6 yeah, like, or like another deal. medic yeah, right?
2: yeah uh i mean you don't have another four unit to put that medic on but yeah that's a lot of points so <laughs> i don't know i'd be curious to see how this list functions with a modification like that um I, i'm curious to try it myself simply because i'm a huge obi-wan fan just generally um me and too I would, I would love a reason to like put them on the table i've had this this uh cool limited obi-wan model just sitting like on my shelf oh you the have that time. one from, i do have i have one of those germany right
1: yep
2: yeah wow. that was one that was one of the few like first year world's prizes when they we they did the the eight people travel to ffg headquarters thing and they gave us all s and obi-wans so that's awesome yeah um it's one of those like uh, I've considered several times with the, the ridiculous EB prices you see, being like, well, could I just? But I already painted it, and it, it's it's like the one thing I have from that. Yeah, it's, it's it's got more sentimental value to me at this point. But right. Anyway, long story short, I would love like an excuse to use it. Um. So. So,
0: I just want to butt in here because I think it's great that Kenobi won this tournament. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. I don't think that is the narrative that actually should be being told with this win. Okay. And and I, I think, I think Nathan really hit it out of the park. I think he did a great job. Yes. I don't think that's the character in this list that we should be focusing on.
1: I a hundred percent agree. And I was thinking of saying the exact same thing.
0: The character in this list that we should be focusing on is Padme Amidala. And, 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 and it's not close (laughs) she is the butter that holds this faction together it's just like i I don't know kenobi does not work in this list without padme if padme is not there this list is it's just over and done with and you can say that about basically any republicist um that's worth half its salt um, and this is, I think, kind of a good lead-in to Clone 101, is that if you're not playing Padme, you're not You're not maximizing
2: your Republic assets. She's just too good.
1: I totally agree, and when I when I think about, like, I also really I, I like Obi-Wan in, in the movies and show, and he was, yeah, I got the clone starter set, and I learned how to play with Obi-Wan, so I definitely want to go back to him, but I want to go back to the Obi Wan, who will move up with an army, you know, do some knowledge and defense either on the way in, or if you're getting dived by another Jedi, you can do it on defense. And then mid game to go dive in yourself, do a hello there and actually start doing some stuff and playing a dynamic game with Obi Wan. Like that's when I learned how to play the game, maybe. It seemed okay at the time, and then like Rex came out, and everything went back to shooty shooty for a long time. Uh, but it was really fun uh, when it, even when it didn't quite work. I I learned how to play with my brother, who would use the other side of the corset, and we just had so many fights where Obi Wan would dive in uh, to Grievous and a bunch of droids. He would play hello there, and attacks would happen. One of them would die. Uh, but it was dynamic. Um, and and the game involved like being able to be defensive, but then also getting in there. Whereas like Mike was talking about, the the part that makes this list work and really the only thing I think that could give you a competitive Obi-Wan list right now is Padme. Uh, and when we get into clone 101, is that the other two guard Jedi. If you want to be optimal then it's yoda with padme it's obi-wan with padme it's anakin with padme uh and
0: I, i'd argue if yeah. you're gonna take a list that didn't have a jedi in it it also has to have you padme. should have, <laughs> probably should yeah like, yeah. Right? yeah yeah uh, so like i i don't know um i think think it's interesting to me that um you know i think we talk a lot about yoda we talk a lot about anakin and i feel like padme sort of gets sidelined in those conversations and to me this is just at the end of the day these are all padme lists how you are like kind of flavoring the list is like a little different right um you know choose choose your lightsaber choose your force wielder um i think i i I think Anakin and Yoda are still better than Kenobi, but but I don't think Kenobi is like unplayable or bad. Like he's fine. He clearly does enough, right? Um
2: I, I think he's gonna be specifically better if you're anticipating a lot of people stacking high velocity to counter clones.
0: And I also think to some degree, um, high velocity aside, I think he's actually very good against rebels in a way that is better than Anakin and Yoda, because he does tend to like rebels is like rebel players are playing Han and they're playing Chewie and they're playing these small, like sharpshooter pierced dice pools. And if you're, if you're guardianing with Kenobi, like you're taking their immune pierce away. You're taking the one thing, like even if they do some damage to Kenobi, like, you're taking away the thing that they're trying to do to you, even with the not high velocity shots. Right. And we have seen rebels seems to be the one thing that is like consistently has been consistently kind of outside of battle forces fighting the Republic menace kind of on, on its own merits.
2: Yeah. And that's primarily on the back of stacking Pearson high velocity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of battle forces, so the story of this top eight essentially is Republic. There were five Republic lists in here, one of which was a wiki skew. Um, There was the Blizzard Force, and then there were two Ewoks. So basically, this is very similar to what we saw at PAX, which was Republic plus melee skews. Republic plus
0: battle forces, basically.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) In, in particular the, the melee skew battle forces um i think the, the presence of the one blizzard list here obviously makes it like battle forces more broadly but yeah,
0: yeah. um yeah ax was definitely more melee centric on the battle force side of things for sure.
2: correct yeah uh and uh yeah I, I mean empire other than blizzard did not do super great in this tournament droids did even
0: <laughs> worse
2: um you know, it I, is, I, I, it sorry, is go, probably go fair ahead.
1: to say that the battle forces that made the top eight were even if they, they weren't all melee necessarily, is that I think that they were all objectives I think they all had bids. Like they're all they're all lists that could take advantage of certain objectives more than others. Um, like you had two triple speeder battle forces and then two just like ewok 14 acts insanity uh both of which have a lot of objective play and then you have the four other guard lists that were basically pure attrition and sit back and castle uh and sort of like let them force them to come to you uh and <laughs> the the castling list one every time
0: i'm, I'm uh, gonna be i want to be honest with you i'm gonna fu- when we get to the 101 i'm gonna fight you on that but we'll okay all right <laughs>
2: yeah i i would say they're more durable lists than specifically like uh static lists does that make sense yeah, yeah. um but yeah we can we can hit that when we want to get to one one. i do want to highlight you made me think of something evan that's i think is interesting all of the non-clone lists were bidding pretty significantly um because they are objective skis and that's you know it, it didn't work but i think that's a possible avenue to like win against clones um that particular route doesn't work nearly as well as it used to against a faction that needs to stay together and is generally less mobile. <laughs> um, but
0: it's, a, it's part of the recipe for success, right? It is. It, it is, yes. Yeah, like, like you need to, at a bare minimum, put the Republic list outside their comfort zone. That does yep. not mean you're going to win, but it is going to mean that it is a much more level playing field, right? Yep.
2: It's, it's not as effective as it used to be, but it is still a thing that's going to be a component of trying to be uh, very hard-to-kill guardless. Uh, okay, should we hit, before we do Clones 101, I want to hit something that um, came out on Friday, and I don't specifically mean Geonosians because we talked about them last week. But I mean, uh, with how they addressed the lack of Overrun's ability to work on small base trooper units, because historically it was just notch base troopers. Uh, basically what they did previously overrun, you had to like move over the unit, over your target unit with your attacker, right? Makes sense. Most of these overrun attacks are like melee attacks or bombs being dropped or whatever. Right, you're, it's a drive-by. Um, in order to make it so that small base trooper units could do that, because small base trooper units, uh, now with the new CRB rules, essentially teleport to the end of the movement tool; they don't move along the tool, or like they or used
0: teleport to... anywhere along it that you so. Yeah, correct.
2: Right, yep. they teleport to a spot on the movement tool rather than moving along it. Um, the uh, they basically wrote the rule. Such that, like, as long as the movement tool overlaps the the target unit, then you can do an overrun. Uh, but of course, the movement tool itself, um, can stick out pretty far from the unit, and indeed from the final position of the unit. If you're just like moving near the front part of the tool, right? Um, unfortunately, I don't have a tool with me, but you know, say this popsicle stick is the tool, right? You could have your unit starting unit position be here and you just move it like here and the tool's still sticking sticking out a good five inches from the actual position and position of the attacking unit Uh, and now according to how overrun is currently written you can target units based on where that movement tool is um, even if the unit itself never actually goes there
0: I also think I'm just thinking about this now. We've we've obviously talked about this a lot over the weekend, but I actually think you might be able to overrun a unit you can't see.
2: Yeah, you definitely can, because you can bend the tool around a corner.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Um and that when you're talking about something like swoops, and by the way, they they made this change, you know, universally to, to the entire overrun rule. So this applies also to the swoops and fluttercraft. Um, when you're talking about a speed three movement tool, you can totally like Bend that thing around a corner or something like that gives you a lot of a lot of range to play with. I think the biggest like tactical and we can talk about how we think this was done in a minute. I think the biggest tactical implication of this is that it makes it much easier to hit the same target twice.
1: Yes. Yes. Especially for swoops,
2: for swoops and flutters.
1: Yeah. Flutters because of reposition, we're usually able to kind of get it done and especially with the speed three. But, sure. Uh, but you still have to just, like
2: fly over the target and then fly back over the same target, which still required some some doing. Now you yeah. don't
0: even have to fly over them once.
2: That's true. Right. Yeah. You just you fly a millimeter forward, you stick your speed through movement tool out there and touch the unit, you attack it, you fly another millimeter forward, you stick that same movement tool out there, and you touch the same unit again and attack it.
1: Um and you turn and fly away. <laughs> and then you fly away. Yeah. <laughs> and just to be sure they changed it. To just talking about the template, they don't even talk about the base at all. Nope. It is. Uh, actually, it is the. It is the base I think it's or, or the, the base. The base oh, or the okay. template. Yeah. Well, then it, it is a strict buff to all the overruns. I was going to say because the fluttercraft sometimes does want to just sort of skirt with the edge of yeah. its base on the way out to run away. Uh, but so now it can do either. Uh, so yeah. now getting overruns is dummy easy with the fluttercraft. Uh pretty easy with the swoop and also pretty easy with gene oceans so uh yay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean
0: i don't think it's like a huge deal but it is i don't know it's
2: not
1: like overrun has been dominating you know the conversation no
2: the competitive play so
1: it like it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like flavorful or intuitive though no, it's right. really yeah. my thing yeah
2: it's it's unlike it's less i don't want to say unlikely um it's not super likely to be like a balance issue uh it's very likely to be like one of those annoying things that you know a flutter or swoop player brings up in a game and their opponent is like wait what yeah why, how does it work that way why does it do that like um you know another thing to add to that list so uh yeah i I'm not a fan of it. I, I feel like, so the original reason that this was done was previously when moving along the tool with small base trooper units, you had to actually leave clearance on the side, right? Cause they would move along the tool, um, which I, everybody hated that. So I think that was like, like a good goal. Uh, you know, they could have just said like, it, you know, you're not impeded as long as the tool. Like you still have to move along the tool, but you're not impeded as long as the tool itself doesn't clip the train, um, which is literally what they were trying to do. So like, you know, but I don't know. Now we're just we're seeing a little bit of a cascade effect of wording it the way that they worded it in the new the new document. So
1: yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll get adjusted back. I guess we'll just have to see. Probably, probably not in time for worlds but over time if, we're not getting should... any rules updates before we yeah remember uh, yeah I, I hear you I hear you
2: yeah I mean payload still hasn't been fixed so like yeah not that I mean Oof. that that one it seems less clear whether that's intentional or not but my my point is like there's a lot of there's a lot of like holes in the dam mm-hmm. um, that have not been plugged so I don't know that this one do you want to talk about the difficult terrain thing Mike real quick because I think this is also relevant to this conversation.
0: <sighs> I was going to leave it out but then she brought it up. I brought it up here. Um so I mean in fairness it's been this way for a long time. I just didn't realize it until this weekend. I, I don't think when, I don't think anybody did. <laughs> when we were going yeah. down the overrun rabbit hole um and actually the way the difficult like so normally I think the way that we all play the game or have been playing it is that if your trooper moves along like would pass through difficult terrain you use a tool size lower right yeah um the way the rule actually works is that if the tool touches difficult terrain anywhere along the length of the tool whether you're moving that far or not you have to slow down so um imagine this is going to be a big deal in like narrow like hallway sort of situations which doesn't come up a lot but like where you can't bend the tool so that it like avoids the difficult terrain because you're like bending in either direction or the direction you need to go um and y- your trooper could never actually pass through or come close to passing through the difficult terrain as long as um you know you know you're using your movement tool touches it you get you get degraded basically um it it, it's not going to come up a lot but that is technically how it works
2: I could see it coming up in situations where you need to like like KP for example suppose one of the KPs is a difficult terrain piece and you need to base it and like on your last move you're like five and a half inches away from it which is pretty common yeah um your option is to use the speed one tool and get four inches (laughs) which is not far enough to get there um or try and somehow like angle the tool so that you you know just clip the edge of it but it's pretty common because of how tight measurements and stuff are in legion that Like, you can run into a situation where you just barely can reach something. Uh, And this is going to matter in those situations if
1: that something is a piece of difficult terrain.
2: If there's a bunch of
1: engaged troopers that are already at the centerpiece, then it could become a nightmare of, like, where do you put the movement tool? The tool.
0: tool. Yeah, Yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, It creates a mess, for sure, when you're figuring out, like, because a lot of times in those situations, you can't actually lay the tool flat, right? Right. Like yeah. You can't actually put it on the table because you'd be displacing a bunch of troops.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and historically, yeah. it's it's been much more of a simply like, how far can I move kind of mm-hmm. a thing? And this opens up a whole potential can of worms where you have to actually worry about how the tool is angled and how it's extended beyond your final movement location. It's no longer enough to be like, yeah, I can get there and then just do the move. Um, so... Uh, yeah. you know we'll see how like i'm curious to see how much players actually do this <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that that's how you're technically supposed to do it based on how the rules are written so
0: and and to be clear they've been like this for like a year this is yes. not like a new thing it's right. just new to it's it's
2: it's both a extremely unintuitive and b like, the opposite of how it used to work, which explains why people have not been doing it this way. Um,
1: Wasn't the placing so. the objective token thing the same as this, is that it had been around for, like, two months before anybody realized that it had changed? Which part? Oh, the force-push like, like thing? Like, when you, when you get force-pushed and worried, the hostage gets put down, stuff like that.
2: Um, that one is more debatable, simply because the definition of, like, controlling player could oh, right. r- reasonably applied to the person that's currently controlling the unit, aka yeah. the person doing the force push. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I know that that argument was made when that ruling came out, but uh, I think any reasonable person could have looked at that language and read, I don't even know if it's controlling player, but it, the, whatever the specific term was, it could have easily like very reasonably also applied to the person doing the force push and not because it definitely did not say like, owning player or the person who owns the unit okay yeah Um, i remember now yeah yeah so yeah i (laughs) i recall that that being a discussion at that time but um that one is much more gray i think i
0: think it's a little bit different in the scenario that was definitely a forum post that was like answered on the forums and um i think edited there i don't think that like the language that clarifies that is actually in the RRG or the rulebook. This language is in there and is pretty clear and defined. Like you don't need to go to the forum to get come to this conclusion.
2: Yeah, it's literally how it's written. Yeah. Very black and white. So,
1: I will never call a judge uh, to complain that my opponent's template went over the terrain. That that's a public promise I can make right here. <laughs>
2: yeah like i said i'm curious like if people actually play it this way or not but um it's pretty clear based on how the language is written that you're supposed to do it this way whether they intended you to have to do it this way is another conversation that i don't want to have now but that's what the words that's what the words in the rulebook say so
0: i do think that practically it is you kind of have to be looking for it for it to come up a little bit um you kind of—it's a little bit of a gotcha rule, and that, uh, yeah, like oh, you use your speed two movement tool instead of your speed one. You should have used your speed one. Ha <laughs> ha, gotcha. You know, like I don't. Know. Um, I—it's
2: it, going to be hard to like actually enforce this rule without totally feeling like an asshole.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I but, yeah, so, yeah, uh, like I said, it—we'll see if people do it. Maybe they won't. But I could see like when things start getting down to the wire at the World Championships and you know it's like, is my opponent gonna get their game winning VP to the KP or not? Um I could see somebody developing a uh adherence to the rules <laughs> that maybe they wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't apply at their local game store. So I mean,
0: in fairness, like that is that is, those are the rules. That is right? what it says. Yes. Yeah. Um
2: so. so. Yeah, you get down a weird slippery slope where you're like, well, do we choose to say that this one is silly and we're not going to do it? And then, like, what other things do we decide are silly that we're not going to do? So, um, <laughs> it's, everyone's a d- it's a
1: d- d- argument, the slippery slip.
2: Yep. Um, there's a lot of things I could put in that category. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking
0: of slippery slopes and hobby um, I wanted to just mention that the tiebreaker rules from PAX were used here again in the top eight. Um,
2: rolling the dice beforehand.
0: Rolling the dice beforehand and deciding yeah. who is winning the tiebreaker before the game starts. I think this is horrible. This is my, I don't know, monthly update of just saying that out loud. I think it's ridiculous, and that's those aren't the rules, and we're making them up, and I don't like it.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is in the same category, I guess, right?
0: Yes, that's why I'm bringing this up. Like, I yeah. just, I, we're making up the rules. That's not how the rules are written. I understand people want a better answer than what's there. But, like, if you're building a list with the rules that are written in mind, like, it does change how you may approach a tournament. And I think that it is.
2: Yeah, I, I, I will say it's a in- problem. In that in that particular example, and this does not apply to PAX because PAX was a Swiss tournament, but at least in the example of LVO, it was only done in the top eight, which is single elimination. And um there is no like I guess strength of schedule is the way, right? But strength of schedule gets super weird when you're just talking about a top eight cut. So there's there's not like a clear way where you're how you resolve this situation in a single elimination format where draws are essentially like something that just can't happen um whereas at least with the cover thing there is a very clear way how you're supposed to do it that way it's just silly similar similar frankly to like the time limit thing right where you're supposed the to is supposed to like roll red dice or Uh, something and like hide the the time limit from the players um that is something that is objectively like very clear how you're supposed to do it in the tournament regs, and nobody does it because it is I ridiculous. still haven't
0: seen it. Um, if any
1: of you guys have,
0: I've I've heard I've heard rumors <laughs> of it happening. I've heard Tale of a secret timer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know how. I'm I'm not gonna claim to have a good solution or a good answer. I just know in my heart of hearts, this ain't it.
2: Yeah, and I, I think. According to the players that were there, the TO basically asked the top eight players how they wanted to do ties, and that's what they said.
0: I, um, so, I guess to, to me, and I like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like flame here, but I think it's what it. That's even worse than having it set expectations ahead of time. Hey, this is how it's gonna work. And then making a choice day of how it's going to work. I I just, I really don't like the idea that we are editing the format and tournament rules on site on like the day of the finals or the day before the finals after games have been played.
2: I, it's a slippery slope.
0: It's a super slippery slope. Yeah. And this is the biggest tournament of the year. It is not Adepticon. I just don't like
2: it. Yeah, and, and i I don't think they've. I still don't think they've said how they're going to handle ties for, Adapticon.
0: They, they don't, and I'm going to beat this drum until Adapticon, in the hopes that somebody hears, because it seems like the tos have jurisdiction on this, obviously, um, and, uh, like. It really should not be this way at Adapticon. Um, a better solution needs to be found by Merch.
1: Well, at least at Adapticon, you. So that maybe the TO can just uh, pull AMG like literally aside to go. How do you want to handle this? Uh, yeah, that,
0: maybe.
2: Ho- hopefully, that's a conversation that happens before yeah. a, the event. Before, um, before listening. Mm, mm. <laughs> <Right? yeah. laughs> but yes. Uh, okay. We've yeah. talked about lo- enough about things that are. Uh, no, I think that was a good tangent based on what we were talking about. Um, but we should probably get to the actual Clone 101 topic. <laughs> um so as in the past how about we start with just kind of i mean we talk about clones a lot on this show because they're currently very good um but why don't we just start with kind of a rough list of things that are currently successful to kind of frame you know when we're talking about competitive gar units what are we talking about and then um go through what their strengths are what their weaknesses are and then how to actually execute that so what is it that people are currently running with clones, or what do you think people should be currently running with clones as far as like units or combinations of units that are strong competitive units?
0: Um, senators, they definitely should be running those. <laughs> um, Is there more so, than
2: one option in that category?
0: I no, but you know, senator, <laughs> uh, yeah. the senate. I am the senate. Um,
2: I guess if you take hostage exchange, you can take uh, what's her name, the blue chick. Um, yeah baby, she's yeah. also sent it yeah Senator. yeah i'm blanking i definitely saw that clone
1: wars episode all, all of these lists do run hostage exchange so there you go that's you true at least yeah. two all well, right most of them
0: do, yeah yeah um so i think when talking about clones or republic in general i think it's important that we emphasize that more so than any other faction in the game this synergy based faction and everything falls apart if you're not doing synergy-based stuff. The units on their own are too expensive to build a good list if they're not helping each other. um, And yep. that's that's just sort of what it is. So when we're talking about units that you should be taking competitively, they're units that can take advantage of synergy-based abilities. Um, I think right now there are two kind of global synergy based effects that you can build a republic list around the first is token sharing and by that we mean exemplar yoda um you know just clone token sharing in general though that's probably the least powerful of the three um and then the other synergy base is the wookie battle force which is obviously like synergy based effects that are based on having a bunch of Wookiees, right?
2: Yeah, I'd say that's more of a threat saturation than explicit synergy, but... Yeah, yeah. I, would, I was going
1: to agree, is that the, the Wookiee units, with the exception of, like, a a couple commands, and I guess, like, Chewie can guardian a Wookiee Chieftain if you really want to. I will get to that later, if you want to even run Wookiee Chieftain, but... Uh, <laughs> you don't. Yeah, the, the, yeah. yeah, I agree. The Wookiees yeah they're just efficiency and yeah threat saturation and they can play objectives but they don't they don't like help each other the way that the clone and padme list do
0: yeah i guess when i was thinking synergy i was thinking like the speed one moves and stuff but i guess that's just like a power it's, thing yeah that's, they can do that themselves yeah. it's yeah, just right. it's just like a unique thing that you get access to when you take battle Force, right yep yeah um but I think you really have to be in one of those two camps right now in order to be effective, which kind of rules out most of the vehicles, um, for the most part. That's not to say that you can't take one.
1: Um, it's ahead, just Evan. funny that if I if I had said a year uh, a year ago uh, that really the only the only optimal competitive Republic vehicle is the Fluttercraft. And you know, <laughs> people would have said that you're crazy. Uh, but I mean, I, I I literally do think that in the current state for like optimal competitive Republic lists is that it is in fact <laughs> the only vehicle that will regularly show up uh, at the top tables.
0: I, I agree. I think Um let me I have a
2: question here. Because the Bark speeder was a very popular component of a lot of republic lists within the last year. Mm-hmm. And only recently I think has been kind of falling out of favor. Do you think that's warranted? And if
0: so, why do you guys think that is? Um I I think the Bark speeder is a good to even like very good unit on its own, it just doesn't synergize with what the lists that are winning right now are doing.
1: It doesn't cheat. I mean, that's that's what it is. <laughs> it to doesn't me. cheat is yes. that you Woof. can Woof. <laughs> like you, you can build a you can still build a functional anti-control breakfast list, and you could you could win locals of that pretty easily. Uh, when you get to um, when you get to bigger scenes, and like if an Anakin Triple Barklist ran into one of these sort of like current meta Jedi plus Padme uh, maximizing uh, damage mitigation and token sharing, is that it's going to fall apart because the offense in that Anakin Triple Barklist is at range, especially is gonna pale in comparison to what that other list can dish out and also the anakin triple bark list won't be able to take as much those barks will die pretty quickly and then you uh you're minus like 156 or whatever points it is uh and you don't like you're you're not gonna have a good time clawing back from that so it's not a bad list it's just that it doesn't really hold a candle to the potential competitiveness of the two types of lists that mike talked about which is basically jedi plus padme on one side and then Wookiee battle force on the other side and i think
0: maybe to even go farther as to like why we see barks in like like anakin barks isn't a thing i think mainstream for the most part anymore i think since people have like caught on that like basically you're always taking force barrier in a republic list and you can't force paint your vehicles like mm-hmm. they become a weak point in your in your kind of fortress right all of a sudden you have something that the opponent you're giving the opponent a unit to shoot at that that you can't defend as well as the other things and that that's problem um, well
2: and more broadly that's a that's kind of a list construction thing in that historically, the bark is an objective play unit. Yeah. Um, and barrier is a good symptom of this, but I think Republic players have kind of figured out that like, you just don't really have to care about the objectives and it's better to just play the attrition game. Um, what's
1: what's harder than having to win a fight and execute a strategy to like win the game? Uh, Or, sorry, what's easier than that is to just have winning the fight being your strategy to win the game, Uh, which is what these, like all of these Padme lists that we're talking about, is that their attrition is the focus and they can handle a bunch of different objectives because their attrition is so efficient that, like, the objective skew lists start to have trouble just from a math perspective. I think that that's the difference is that Anakin Barks focuses on objectives and it's easier to not have to worry about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where the game's been moving generally, right? There's a much more focus on killing and yeah. attrition and a less focus on objectives.
1: And I, I think that the, the change from blue player to least bid uh, for winning objective point ties may have been the biggest driver of that. Uh, I'm not like, it's a bit hard for me to say. Yeah. Yeah. But it it is more attrition focused than it used to be, for sure. For sure.
0: I think a large component of it is also like the game has got considerably more lethal over like the past Mm -hmm. two to three years. We've seen a large introduction of units that can just remove entire squads from the board that were completely 100% healthy to completely 100% dead in one shot, right? um you know like dark troopers are like obviously like a huge signpost for that um and when you're in an objective list and you have got fragile units generally like all of a sudden if one gets caught your whole game can can disappear very quickly
2: yeah more offense tends to devalue objective play because it essentially shortens the game right and um for objective play to be relevant your units need to survive to the end of the game (laughs) typically so um
0: yeah um i think this might be a good place to talk about the difference between like anakin and the yodelis okay um Can, can, can we real quick just round out the like
1: yeah
2: so we, we've got basically, I guess to take your pick of Jedi, we can include Obi-Wan in this conversation now. Jedi plus Padme. Um, or if you're not taking a Jedi, you still want to be taking Padme. Um, as far as your core units, we're talking about both Phase 1s and Phase 2s?
0: Yeah, with pretty much any weapon assortment, I think is reasonable with perhaps the exception of the shotgun on the phase ones yeah
1: um
0: i've seen some people messing around with it i don't think it's very good um it's the most fun
1: but it's yeah it's not optimal
0: yeah um i definitely think like you don't want all of your weapons to be rps's but one or two totally fine you know you don't want all your weapons to be mortars i mean one or two probably fine right um i would say that you should Probably not have all your weapons be cumbersome um, most yeah. of the time. Um I would I would steer away from that unless you're really sure.
1: And you probably shouldn't have all your weapons be Z sixes if you're not gonna have enough surges to make that useful for you.
2: Yep. Yes. Do clones have the biggest diversity of competitive
1: weapon options for their core? I think they do. Uh I'll go farther, is that if you guys were to say what are the top three like in, in the context of how they're used in games, like what are the three most efficient core units in the game? Up. Just like for for the points, what you get out of them in terms of damage dished out versus you know damage taken.
0: Uh, I would probably say the phase one z six, the phase two z six, and the um the pike Blackboard with the cap disruptor, disruptor yeah which are to which are the three core units that are available to Republic. Is, right? bingo yep uh,
1: that is a huge reason of why i think republic is you know the the clones have always been good uh there was a time when republic was merely like as good as a couple of the other factions uh but it's such a huge part of it is that when you have very efficient core units and you have the synergy that Mike talked about to keep them alive longer. Uh it just adds up. Um and then w- when you think of sort of the the way that attrition works is that it snowballs if you die less then you keep the dice to make them die more. Uh and it adds up over time. And yeah, like this like we were talking about those those three units are awesome. And then you can but then you talk about DC 15 with a captain. You can talk about an RPS or a mortar with or without boil or a medic. Like, those are also awesome core units. Uh, and when you think of the other factions, uh, is it crazy to say that they only have one heavy for each unit that anybody ever pays attention to?
0: I, I would go as far as to say that, like, there's only one unit, and within that one unit, only one heavy is often taken like separatists they're playing b1s with e 5s yeah rebels are pretty much only playing vets yeah for the most part with the the crit gun obviously they've got mark twos in there but that's kind of like a weird Mm. i don't know the the they come as a package yeah they're like the same unit basically you know empire for the most part if you actually want to be killing things with your core like if you're taking core intentionally you're taking short troopers you know i mean you're taking storms if you're just trying to fill it out i guess um but they're not there because you want them (laughs) right there's
1: some play for t21s and for that stormtrooper rocket launcher where i always forget the name but uh, yeah h12 is that there's definitely like arguments for those uh to be in the good but you know the above average category uh but when we talk about these clone units is that they're all in the way above average category. Uh, And so that allows you to flex your list points-wise to kind of make it fit what you're doing with the rest of the list. And any way you slice it, you're going to have efficient core. And that makes a huge deal uh, when it comes to the attrition stuff. All
2: right, so as far as like... I mean, we we kind of ruled out vehicles, but there's some other slots here. Special forces, both arcs and arc strike teams, in the standard list, and then obviously Wookies in the Wookiee Battle Force.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Is there any reason to take Wookies in a not Wookiee Battle Force? Sadly, I don't think so.
1: I liked the Anakin uh, Wookiee Warriors list. Like I, I played that at Adepticon in 2022. Uh that was a lot of fun. Um, and then they changed scale. Uh and until the Wookie Battle Force came out, is that the whole the whole Wookiee subgenre was completely ignorable like throughout the entire game. And it was that like there's a lot of things about the Wookiee Battle Force that make it good, but with that free speed one move, is that then you make up for that loss of mobility that they suffered when scale was changed. Uh but outside of that battle force, there's still just sticky uh, as they were before and they're also still super expensive even more expensive than they were like a year and a couple months ago with tenacity and offensive push yada yada getting more expensive yeah yeah so I don't I don't think that there's a role which makes me sad because I I would like to play that kind of mix it up sort of list again and you know be able to kind of compete with it I
0: mean I- I think you can play a Wookiee unit in your army. It's not gonna be optimal, right? Like it's yeah. not gonna be it's not gonna be super good. I think you can win games with it. Um, but arcs for the most part, like they melee just as good as Wookiees, if not better, once you factor in sharing situations, right? Um they definitely throw more dice. Um as long as they're they're full.
1: Mike, do you think that there's a place for full arcs? Outside of either Yoda or a five of first list, I think
0: if you were to take full arcs and look at that unit on its own, um, like like it, this is a full arc unit that operates like a like a stormtrooper unit. It doesn't get tokens right. from anywhere else. I think it's way too expensive. I don't think it's worth its cost. As soon as you lose one dude, the unit's basically worthless um that's a little bit hyperbolic but it's not far from the truth um and i think the thing that makes arcs good is that they're a really good thing to be throwing all your resources into um they're they combine really well with um the other options within the faction you know you start fire supporting them and then you're doubling down on sharpshooter right Mm -hmm. um you know, you start giving their aim tokens to Padme's aim tokens to them to like give Pierce their dice pool is more consistent than than most of the core units um, between sharpshooter and and their native dice, um, so I think I think they're just a a good unit to be pouring your resources into, but I don't think I guess to answer your question does that answer your question?
1: Yeah, I mean I think you're you're speaking to the fact that. They get a lot out of the extra efficiency that, especially Yoda, um, gets to you, Yoda plus Padme uh, when it comes to token sharing. Um, whereas you compare it to like ISF, which obviously hasn't seen the same level of success that Full Ark has had, but they don't they don't need anybody else. They don't even like really need Tax Strike to at least be fairly efficient. Um, whereas like a an arc unit that's on its own is like very bad for the points uh, if it's if it's not relying on tokens that it's getting from others
0: yeah if you don't have a jedi like you definitely have to have boil like you definitely have to have medics right like you, yeah you you still have to support the unit and and throw points after it in order to make it viable i will say i don't feel that way about the strike teams i think the strike teams are still excellent and people don't play them really um which i find a little bit interesting i think that they're efficiency wise some of the best units in the game if not like as far as like generating tokens and stuff go like 55 points to like double tactical move into like a hidey hole and just share your aims to the core units is totally defendable like that's better than most officers in other factions and and they have also have a range five options on top of it right um so and that's like the worst case scenario with them is you're sharing your aim tokens
1: yeah i like i like non-echo strike teams in uh in clone only like gunline lists, which are which can still compete, and that's another list that can win a local, but would have a really hard time winning like a convention. Uh, but that sort of list would want to just do a little bit more activation padding, make sure that you have enough phase twos around, and probably still Padme uh to like help those arcs get a little bit of extra push. But it is it is efficient on its own. Uh, especially in a world where there's fewer pikes that are sort of flooding the market and also the situational awareness spam list that Rebels used to play doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Those two things basically made the Arc Strike teams feel pretty worthless when uh, the field was flooded with that stuff. But that's not around anymore or as much in the case of the pikes. So yeah, I think it's totally worth considering.
2: All right, so um, why don't we talk... We've kind of hit on it when we're talking about these units, but real quick, let's hit the strengths and then the weaknesses of the Republic faction and talk a little bit just about like how to actually play them on the table. So strengths, we've kind of hit on these so far, but very good synergy. If you build everything correctly, um, lots of tokens that they can share uh, as a result very good offense and defense when everything is kind of together working on firing on all cylinders right um are there what else beyond those
0: in the strength category yep um i think generally speaking um if you're playing that they're they're pretty decent against handling um melee threats because they always have a force push um just just about and if you don't have a force push you're playing wookiees so you are the melee threat right yeah um and uh i i think to me that's one of the biggest things in the meta right now that is that is a strength for republic you know not all the other factions are Taking force push in all of their lists, which makes dislodging a problematic unit from your lines tough. Um, force push allows you a way out of a lot of situations that you normally can't get out of. Um, so I think that that's a big strength. I think the Yoda list is specifically very good at that. Um, but I think uh to me that probably highlights the strengths.
2: Uh, I want to sort of piggyback on that though with the force push. Not only does Republic have access to that on the commanders that they kind of want to be taking anyway to like support their units, but they can also often couple that force push with another thing simultaneously that like strengthens the move to remove a unit from your lines. You know, you mentioned specifically Yoda. Yoda can like guidance a standby onto a unit and then force push something to immediately take advantage of it. Whereas, you know, Vader or Luke or some other Joe Schmo force user in another faction, they might be able to like push a unit out that's stuck in your lines, but then you need to like wait a whole activation to actually do something about it. Yeah. Typically. And by that time, maybe that, you know, if that unit hasn't gone yet, maybe they just go again and get right back into melee. Um, So yeah, not only do they just sort of natively have that on the the thing on your support commanders basically um but uh
0: 200 points sure
2: yes they are obviously (laughs) expensive um but uh they can they can like capitalize on it in ways that other factions can't typically
0: they can immediately capitalize on it right it's like i'm doing something about this and i'm putting an exclamation mark at the end of it you know it's it's not if if you want to do that with another faction or another hero that's like not Yoda, you've got to take the standby before you force push, which kind of telegraphs what's going to happen, right? It means
1: it can be shot like, yeah, list. you know, you could have five Stormtrooper units all take standbys and then, you know, kind of hope that your opponent is like not going to be able to shoot all of them off, but it does happen one by one. Uh, and then you start realizing that you've like maybe wasted some actions, uh, whereas the republic list, specifically yoda now uh uh so sad that anakin and Padme can't do that anymore uh is that they they can take advantage of it immediately
2: yeah they can they can set the trap and spring it at the same time exactly um and i I'd, i'd say that's true even of things that aren't yoda because even like in anakin's case for example if you take saber throw on him you can force push the thing and then saber throw and then fire support with fire support yeah that's true that's true Um, which is which is like an immediate strong ranged attack that you can make whereas most you know the other factions force users a don't have access to fire support typically but b also tend to like not have very good ranged attacks so
1: when you play anakin long enough with saber throw is that you see magnet guards very differently from how everybody else sees them uh (laughs) is that like everybody else sees them as like oh man if these get into my lines then even if i have a jedi then it's going to be some hard trucking over here whereas anakin's like okay i'll i'll force push you and then nudge myself one inch to the right and then fire sport the z6 and obliterate the whole unit at once uh it's pretty satisfying
0: i will say we haven't talked a ton about fire sport um
1: as yeah, long as, we're, as long as we're talking let's about, talk about
0: Let's talk about um, let's talk about fire support. So I think fire support and how fires so fire support has been I would say up until like the last 2 years kind of fringe as far as something you should be doing often. Like it's something that maybe you did like once a game, right? Um I w- I would say that now I am fire supporting multiple times a game every game. Sometimes multiple times a turn um even in not yoda lists and i think a big part of that is the cover changes Mm
1: -hmm. Um, yeah
0: fire support allows you to bypass a lot of the ah, cover rules and it's not that they didn't do that before it's that before it wasn't as necessary before it wasn't as necessary before exactly um Yeah,
2: previously you might be able to like step to the side and get a no cover shot or something. And yeah, you know, but now it's like the chances of doing that are very low. So you might as well just combine your pools and then have that cover only count against you once.
0: Yes. And in a lot of cases, now that arcs are kind of like good again, you're kind of like a lot of times not counting the cover at all twice, right? Like you're getting the sharpshooter shot and then you're just tacking a fire support pool on. So rather than. It being a cumulative like cover four, or in ewok's case, like cover six, it's like cover one or cover zero, right? Mm-hmm. Um and that's that's like huge in and of itself. You're just like plus five hits um on you know against like ewoks, or like plus three hits against like everything else, and every time you fire support. Um and that's that's a pretty large strength i think uh that has also been with the passing active uh the the pass mechanic being a thing this year um that's also been like a pretty large strength that has lended itself to be like okay i can fire support and then i can kind of like pause the tempo if i so that and like kind of wait them out to do the rest of my stuff if i need to um because of the the interaction between fire support and uh the pass mechanic is that it lowers your activations on board by one right right Um,
2: which used to be like objectively a drawback and now just sometimes doesn't
0: do anything yes yes sometimes it's like oh this is fine i can still go last or next to last with my jedi and it's okay right um particularly with i think 14 activation you walks aside uh (laughs) a lot of lists these days are low activation count lists and if they're not they're pretty easy to whittle down to low activations with the massive firepower you can bring to the table
2: yep um all right so i think that kind of rounds out the strengths what about weaknesses because they do have some I know. I know we've been kind of effusive in our praise of Republic so far on this episode, but uh, they do have some weaknesses, which I think are important to highlight as well.
1: You don't have a ton of minis compared to most of your opponents, and that that both minis and activations. Um, and you also you squeeze the most out of that efficiency we're talking about when it comes to attrition. You squeeze the most out of that when you're mostly staying put as the game goes on. And so if you're in a situation where you have to move, uh, you you do lose a significant part of that efficiency. So they, they prefer to be in objective states where it doesn't matter that there's only eight of them, so to speak, and also where they don't have to go anywhere, which can sometimes mean that breakthrough is, quote unquote, like the least favorable objective or maybe even payload, weirdly enough. Uh and and so, but like that's the thing is that when you think of those two weaknesses, which are real, is that you only actually run into those being weaknesses in some objectives. In others, they're basically a moot point. And
0: I would I would go as far as to say is that mobility is only a weakness if you have to move somewhere your opponent is not. I I would say like if sure. you if I think you know in 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 the breakthrough and payload scenarios if if in order to achieve the objective, moving closer to the enemy, and by closer I mean like range three, not melee, yeah. um, yeah. and just firing on all cylinders like that's sort of your game plan, anyways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if if the objective doesn't set up a situation that you have to like either kill the enemy or do the objective, I think that's when the mobility starts to hurt is when you kind of have to get split. Right.
1: Yeah. So like being red on breakthrough hemden is like, would be a, an example of where that would be fairly bad for a public because they would have a hard time, chasing down an opponent who is incentivized to completely run away from them yeah uh but in other situations where like as long as you can force a fight to happen you won't have as many tokens so you won't be squeezing everything you can out of the efficiency of token sharing but your units are still gonna be better on average than your opponents are (laughs) Uh, and you don't, and there's tricks aside from token strain that you can take advantage of, such as Barrier, Guardian, or, you know, a bunch of other things, and that you will still have a very good chance of winning the game. So, like Mike said, the thing that they're purely bad at is chasing an opponent that they absolutely have to chase in order to try to win the game, uh, and everything else is pretty mitigatable.
0: I would also in the mobility category throw in there that um they should never ever play disarray (laughs) like yeah like i guess the wookiee battle force can probably play wookiees can Wookiees are fine you know with the
1: range flutter graph especially the Mm -hmm. with the bowcaster ones you can do some disarray and and uh, be mean to people but the other ones i agree absolutely not yeah if
0: you're playing a conventional republic list that's relying on synergy um breaking up your synergy from the start of the game is just not good and it you often just you can't afford one of the big things and maybe this is a weakness in and of itself is a lot of these lists can't really afford to lose units um and in disarray you kind of instantly lose one um it's at least not helping your team right even if it's not dead and it probably will be dead because it doesn't have any help from anybody else um so I think to to that end like when you take a casualty when you when you take wounds it's just a much bigger
1: deal yep i can't think of many games that i won in the last like year and a half or so where i lost like three activations or more yeah
0: i would say i would say if, if if i'm ever like under six at six or under activations i'm i'm not feeling good about the game yeah um i'd also like to highlight a weakness that i think is maybe not talked about enough um and that is that when to take a token and not to take a token is like an action is Mm -hmm. actually kind of like a hard thing to figure out and to know when it is the right thing to do oftentimes i can a, a lot of times i see people either a not taking enough tokens or b taking way too many um and you kind of have to thread the needle it's not it's not an exact science all the time because you kind of have to like feel it out as the turn moves forward a lot of the time um but i think like a, a prime example is i think i shoot once twice a game with padme oftentimes and i think a lot of people might just be like yeah she's gonna do the quick thinking dodge or quick thinking aim thing a lot of the time because like that's what she's doing but like once you get into the thick of it like you need to know what the threat of that is and i think unfortunately i (laughs) i'm not sure i'm able to describe like exactly what that is it's kind of like a feel thing Mm. um it at least for me um but i think i think maybe like a a maybe evan you can speak to it
1: it goes to it goes to knowing what your win condition is which is like i, I wrote some articles recently about you know I, I i provocatively titled them why why you're losing games but um uh, the second one that i wrote was about knowing what your win condition is and you might like you might very well be in a game state where your win condition is that you stay as you are and don't lose any people and then as long as as long as you end up killing more uh, points than your opponent or even if you do nothing then you're going to win the game and so that's when turtling up makes sense Uh, but depending on how mov is at any given time or what the objective is is that your win condition may be that you need to be closer to the middle by like turn four And you don't want to realize that on turn five when it's too late for you to start moving your guys instead of taking those tokens. Uh, And so I I agree with Mike is that I also will shoot with Padme probably like, yeah, once the game on average, but sometimes twice. Uh, She can start fire supports. She has range pierce that you don't have to pay aims for. Uh, So there's definitely something to it. Um, And uh, turtling is sometimes the right strategy. Uh, you're hoping that is often the right strategy, because then you are just, like, sort of swaying the game state to your favor, because it's easier to defend than it is to attack, just in general. Uh, but if you just sit there while your opponent is, like, inching closer to the middle box and Recover, it's bad to realize too late that you're not going to be able to do anything about it.
2: Yeah, I mean... I think if I had to summarize basically what you guys just
0: highlighted as a weakness, it's simply that the, the decision trees are more complicated
2: mm-hmm. in general.
0: There, there are more options, right? Like, yep. you know, you taking an aim action on a phase one clone is more than does this clone need an aim token right now? It's, right. it's could I need an aim token or a dodge token at any point over on this turn from this unit, right? Um, right. And that answer could be yes, but it might not be, like, enough yes to make it make sense, you know?
1: Yeah, I caught I myself saving games on snowtroopers when I played at LVO last year, because I was like, eh, <laughs> I don't want to spend it on this crappy attack. Uh, I, I, I cracked myself after a couple games, but, yeah, when you're playing Republic, you are making that decision with, like, many, many dice rolls. Like, am I going to spend the same now? Or am I going to save it for another one later? Same for dodges. So there are definitely a lot of decisions.
0: And that's that's another thing. I think taking tokens is one thing, but spending them is like mm. a whole nother tree, right? Like you're like, okay, I rolled dice. Is it even worth it to spend aim tokens on this attack? Because the answer a lot of times is no. And yeah. I see a lot of people just immediately spend aim tokens because they have access to it. Like if you roll a bunch of dice and don't break cover, Oftentimes, you shouldn't spend the aim tokens. You should just wait until the unit that does break cover can spend the aim tokens, as long as you have a unit that possibly could do that. You know, like, if you roll one hit and they're in heavy cover and have a dodge token, you're going to have to probably burn two aim tokens just to have the opportunity to do damage to that unit. Um, And w- what you want to do is actually turn those aim tokens into opponent rolling defense dice uh, you don't want to just like spend three aim tokens to have them roll one defense die after cover and dodges are, are done like that's just you're wasting your resources right
2: yeah assuming you have a shot later in the turn where you can actually capitalize
0: yeah. on that yeah obviously if it's the end of the turn burn it all yeah, right like totally. um but um the yeah uh, i mean I, I i find myself like even in games that I play, like I sometimes still mismanage that. It's hard to like figure that out sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, I still have a name token on the board at the end of the turn. That like if if I have a name token on the end uh, on the board at the end of the turn, I'm like, I messed up. This was suboptimal. I should have done better. You know? I totally agree.
2: And I, I think it's easy to sort of play devil's advocate and be like, well, how is having more options a bad thing? Um, and I think the answer to that is simply that utilizing those options efficiently and basically like maximizing your resources is kind of built into how republic units are designed and costed. So if you're not like making the most of those token sharing abilities and making the most of those options in your decision trees, like you're just you're just paying more for like a fancy stormtrooper basically with clones
0: absolutely it, you you are paying for the options in the points costs of those units right. right and you're you're paying for the opportunity to choose the best option and a lot of times if you choose let's say a sub average option those units like you might as well be playing empire at that point like like and just,
2: have and have
1: more units on the
0: table have more units on the yeah. table that can do the things right
1: um you wouldn't pay 76 points or whatever it is for a Stormtrooper with a Rebel Z6. Uh, and right. If you're not tactics, that's, that's exactly what you have. That's yeah.
2: literally what a Phase 1 Z6 is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Alright, so for weaknesses, we've got lack of mobility. Um, the, the fact that they have to basically stick together, so if they have to split up, that's an issue. Uh, casualties Hurt more, um, and then complex decision trees, right? More or less. Yeah. Miss any that you guys? I got. I, I got, I got one more. Dance,
1: I guess. Yeah. Yeah. One more is that they they don't tend to have tricky command cards, uh, in in the sense of a lot of rebel and some empire, even some separatist command cards is that you can especially when you think about bounty hunters or stuff like that is that you can. Sort of pull a fast one on opponents sometimes by uh, making some tricky choices with your command cards. Whereas with Republic, you are if you've played enough games either against or with Republic, is that you are gonna like know what command card is coming next almost as a second nature. I played against uh, Marcus at Worlds and it was uh it was streamed last year and it was really funny because we were both playing Anakin without Padme a culpa on that last part, obviously. <laughs> uh, but we we, uh, for six rounds, we used the exact same command cards. Um, and neither of us, like, it was funny at the time, but neither of us were really surprised by the fact that that happened, is that even with Yoda, who obviously has a lot of tricks up his sleeve when it comes to Guidance just in general, is that you'll pretty much know what's coming next, um, maybe the aggressive negotiations with Padme can surprise you every once in a while. It's like we got a little bit of tricks to it because of the free move, um, but Republic doesn't have anything along the lines of you serve your master well, uh, or, or like the Boba Fett commands where you can do some really fun stuff is that they gain tokens anakins are especially boring you just like gain keywords which does lead to gaining tokens which is great uh but so maybe maybe predictability is one more weakness uh, is that you usually know what's going to happen against republic it's just that uh you that doesn't matter when you can't stop it it's like knowing that a train is headed your way uh, but you're tied to the train tracks they're gonna so. play luminous <laughs> next turn oh my god you know yeah. i i think it's it's one of those things where their
0: their command cards often don't change the game state right um whereas command cards and other factions depending on which one you play changes the game state dramatically. yeah mm-hmm.
2: um they're much splashier yeah Whereas the Republic command cards just kind of take what they already do and just make them do it more.
0: Yes, I think with it, with maybe aggressive negotiations, aggressive negotiations is th- yeah, a good it's call. An exception. Yeah. Um, and and obviously Yoda Yoda has a lot of play to it, but it's really not the command card; it's it's guidance that is that is enabling that.
1: Yeah. Um, Which does make it makes Obi Wan's commands especially funny in that context. Is like when you talked about it, it just makes them do more. Is that that's literally what. His command cards are is that more, <laughs> here's more surges than two pip, Here's more dodges. Yep. And one pip, Here's more surges and dodges. And here's the stand balance.
2: Yeah. Yep. It's just it's a lot of tokens. Yeah. They just their command cards generate tokens basically, Um which is you know it's fine. Like I think it's, I think it's good that they for balance reasons that they don't have splashy command cards with like super unique effects on them, but um yeah i think you could definitely file that in the weakness category and that it makes them predictable and like it makes it harder for them to force game state changes with command cards yes they really rely on that attrition to build up an advantage over time because they're not gonna at least with command cards they're not going to be able to execute those like splashy um you know like flip things on their head, kind of plays where you throw a command card on the table and your opponent's like, Oh, oh
1: man, good. I'm gonna be immobilized now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Probably doesn't have anything like that. No. And
0: I will add in there in the command card thing, they do not have any way to manipulate, um, like priority. Like every other faction in the game either has cunning or like, Sorry about the mess, or, or, or a way to basically be like, I'm going first this turn. Yep public can't do that ever like the best we can hope for is a tie
2: yeah play play a typical one pip and hope for the roll-off win yeah yeah. That,
0: yeah which which is a thing that i think like you have to plan for and and is, is a bit of a weakness you
2: know? all right so we've kind of touched on it as we're walking through these but do you guys have any like overall general tips as to like how to play Republic that we haven't already hit as we're going through and talking about their strengths and weaknesses.
1: Mike, do you have a thesis statement ready to go on Boyle? On why on <laughs> just, on, just on, generally? On, is is Boyle uh so like I think that Boyle is thought to be a little bit more quote unquote crucial than he actually is in most republic lists. I think I think Boyle,
0: my thesis on Boyle is that Boyle comes in at a price point of 15 points. Mm-hmm. He really only augments your unit. You get the scout, which is fine, whatever. Um, he's really there for the guardian. Yeah. Um, guardian is great. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, we see Kenobi using it to a great effect in this this latest LVO. Um, it's really just shifting damage around. I think the majority of the units that we see today in Republic don't want to be taking damage at all. And I think if if your goal is to not take damage at all, you might as well just take a medic. Um, is kind of how I feel about Boyle. Obviously, Boyle can like Boyle's not actually mitigating any damage. He's just moving it other places.
1: He's
2: he's focusing it. Yeah. Um, to to it, a place where your opponent probably doesn't want it to go.
1: He's preventing damage from decreasing your offense for a while. Yeah. But and I he think. He delays it. Yeah.
0: I think additionally, um, he also has a big target painted on his head. And, yeah. and as soon as you loot like Guardian a couple times and lose a couple dudes, and your opponent possibly can snap that unit up in like one go. He becomes a huge liability, I've found, is like the Guardian actually does the inverse of what you expect it to do, in that you're expecting Guardian to allow you to to keep unit like all of your units on the table, because you can put all the you can manipulate where the wounds go. But if the wounds are going to boil, all of a sudden Boil's unit gets a lot weaker and a lot easier to kill. And unless you've got them behind a line of sight blocker, which sometimes you can do, but not Mm. always. Um, because he does have to be one of everything. Like, y- y- and there are going to be multiple models in the unit. Um, I think, I think Boyle can be a bit of a trap. I I think he can also be very good. I just, I personally, I think at this juncture, prefer to leave him at home. I
1: I think that he's great when the points fit for him to be great. What I see sometimes is players that are basically sacrificing having another heavy weapon in order to squeeze Boyle in. And I think that you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot there because Boyle is, again, he's there to delay the effects of attrition on your offense, Uh, but you've already done your opponent's work for you if you've decreased your offense by one heavy weapon just to squeeze Boyle in there. Yes.
0: If you're you're taking a naked squad with Boyle when you could have taken a squad with a heavy weapon, I think... I think I'm not I'm not even sold on this. I think you made a mistake. I think you should have just taken a squad with a heavy weapon and just had another squad that can shoot.
2: So the places that I've found Boyle to be great are specifically when you're running pikes.
1: He's great with pikes. He's he's great in Anakin in general because Anakin's the one that goes with pikes. And and so I think that I think he's less awkward in Anakin list just in general because of the pikes. Uh, situation and also that you can fit more points in uh when you're talking about a yoda or an obi-wan list i think it's a tougher fit Yep.
0: yeah i think because there's like there's like a 40 point like kind of wiggle room zone depending on the jedi you take like your activations yep. don't really change you're pretty much taking eight right um in these and can can do nine he, he can yeah for sure um I think the majority of the Anakin lists are, are threading at eight, but, yeah. but like if you, you've got like 40 points to play with like medics and boil and stuff between like the Yoda and the Anakin lists uh, generally in your core. And you can't quite buy another core unit with a heavy for that. So I think in, in that situation it's justified to be taken, but um, yeah, nah, I guess that's my very long winded thesis.
2: So if we were to like summarize how to actually play republic in in 5 minutes or less like what would you say? Cuz I we've talked a lot I, I think we've 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 kind of done it in in chunks throughout this whole episode but as we kind of close this out like if you had to give a 5 minute spiel to a new-ish Republic player about how to be like a good repetitive repetitive competitive Republic player what would you say
0: I think if I'm giving somebody advice the biggest hurdle I think I see a lot of Republic players have to deal with is to figure out where the hill they need to decide to die on is going to be and I find that a lot of people think that that's their deployment zone. Or they don't think there's a hill at all. <laughs> and I think it's often much closer to the middle of the board. And I think a lot of people don't assert. I think Republic right now is very good at asserting their firepower early in the game um, in order to basically... Affect an area of control that allows your that that makes it so that your opponent has to has to deal with you. If you are putting yourself in a position where the opponent can kind of skirt around you, it, you you need to press farther forward. And I think the earlier you do that, in my opinion, the better off you are. I'm a little bit more aggressive, I think, than than some clone players, but i I strongly think that right now in the meta that we're currently in, you need to take the ground and hold it unless you're fighting in like a melee scheme
1: or if you're if you're playing hostage, you can truly just like kind of hide
0: there's there's absolutely yeah. situations when you you construct via turn zero that makes it your deployment zone exactly no, particularly yeah.
2: particularly if you're at eight hundred,
0: yes, yeah yeah i to or... say that if you're not playing wookies you should be at 800 it should it is this is not optional it is not up for debate you republic, do not yeah, totally you, do, agree. you do not get to choose you can argue 799 or 798 or 785 i don't care you are wrong you need to take 800 points republic if you want to be effective
1: Eat your vegetables and put those smoke grenades in there to make it eight hundred. If you have to, yes. That's the PAX winner. Literally had a set of smoke grenades that was mostly there for that purpose and maybe one percent to make smoke. I can. I bet
0: you, Sam did not take a smoke token out of his out of his box that entire turn. I he probably
2: didn't. would have forgot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I asked him. Yeah, he didn't. No. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I, it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a conversation for another day whether you should yeah. be incentivized to like spend useless points just to gain an advantage by being at the maximum limit but um yes i agree with you i mean you you want to you want the tie break so you want to get yeah. to 800 with the republic
1: for the newer republic players i would just say the thing to practice at, and mike already talked about this earlier is that the just like kind of know the proper distances to have from each other because uh, that's different for Padme. It's different for Boyle who you want to be in the back but still at range one so he can do his stuff. But you want it to be farther in the back so that he's less juicy of a target and that your, exp- your opponent needs to extend more to get him. But also like I think that I didn't think of it before but I like uh, Mike's metric of how many wasted tokens are still left on the board when you get to the end of your turn. And That includes it, dodge tokens. It, to it be, does to absolutely include dodge mm-hmm. tokens. If you have extra surf tokens, and maybe you just didn't need them, uh, sometimes the dice are just the yeah, dice so exactly, like you, you couldn't spend them, yeah. Bom. Um, but yeah, if you have aim or dodge tokens left at the end of your turn, then take a look. Was there something about my positioning or the decisions that I made, like moment by moment? Because there are so many decision points when it comes to token sharing over the course of one game where maybe you made, uh, a decision that led to you wasting a token um and like the more you pay attention to that the more you'll be able to squeeze out of the insane efficiency that republic can put onto the field
0: yeah and and to be clear like if you're finding that you have tokens at the end of the turn like the things that you should be looking at are did i play the wrong command card like did, did i actually need all of these extra tokens this turn, right? Like, did did I play Luminous and just punt it? Did yeah. I, you know, like, um, if if you got a bunch of extra dodge tokens, like, you know, could Padme have moved instead of quick thinking? Maybe, you know, like, or 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 rather, maybe she could have quick thinking and and move quick thinking instead of dodge quick thinking or, or right. whatever, right? Um, that allows you to set up better for next turn and. I think the more you look into those kind of situations and, and realize, oh, like I, I could have done something else here that would have been much more optimal. um, You're kind of able to refine your play. I would also say that one of the things that I like to do, I think that this is true for Legion in general, but I think specifically for Republic because we have key support pieces that really rely on being alive to like share their stuff um is finding a good line of sight blocker on the map that allows you to like leverage your position and getting like your padme and your anakin or your padme and your yoda or your padme and your kenobi there earlier in in the game like as early in the game as possible and rush kind of there and yeah. establishing your foothold and in in and, and generally that's somewhere that's like range two to three of of kind of where you're planning on having the fight um you need to you need to when you walk up to a table probably more so than any other list because you have decisions between moving and like taking all these tokens and stuff you need to have an idea in your head of where the where you want to have the fight and you need to set it up so that you can actually have the fight there because if you set it set up your army and then you have the fight somewhere that you're not planning on having the fight you most of the time are not going to be able to remobilize your army into a situation where you can actually do that effectively Um, in contrast to a lot of other armies that can have a higher mobility rate
1: the first thing i look at before deploying is like where where where's the padme rock (laughs) Yep, where I'm, exactly. I'm hoping that she's going to spend <laughs> yeah, yeah. most of the game. <laughs> and then, you know, if I need to do two moves on turn one and get zero tokens out of it to make it to the Padme Rock, I'm going to do it every time. Because once she gets there, then she can just start token banking. And it's the same. It's usually similar for the Jedi. Uh, Anakin can afford to be a little bit farther out from Padme, typically, than I think either Yoda or Obi-Wan can be. He can... You can sort of be off to the side a little bit, but you either want one big rock they can both be behind or two different ones that, that are each uh, good for sharing tokens to the rest of your units. Uh, but figure it out before you deploy anybody and get their ASAP. And,
0: and to boot, the reason that it's important that that line of sight blocker is forward is because exemplar still requires line of sight. Yep. Yes. Like, that is extremely important. Um, you do not want, like, it sometimes like your exemplar units are like a little bit forward of you like your main line if the line of sight blocker if that's that's where it is and that's okay as long as they're safe there
1: yeah. um, for the jedi it also means that they can respond quickly if your opponent starts to encroach is that if they're in a a safe forward position with view to like your shooters that are a little bit farther back then if they decide to dive you with vader then anakin can can be right there to hopefully prevent vader's lightsaber from ever touching your poor little clone troopers that are going to start melting to him awesome
2: well any final thoughts
0: um i think uh we sing the praises of clones a lot lately i think i'd like to just say that I think that they're not as good as everybody thinks they are. They know that I'm a little biased there, and I think I think everything that's not presently winning is a bit better than people think they are. Um, I don't I don't think it's as doom and gloom as as everybody out there thinks. Um, personally, as someone who's playing 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 the Republic list, it's not when when I'm playing against good players. Playing non-republic, the games are still hard. You know, it's not like, yeah, I don't know. Um,
1: it's it's not Rockstar. Um, it's not Rockstar. It's I not. Think, yeah, yeah, no. There, there's going to be some tuning that I think will be positive for balance in the future, but it's going to. I think it it should be tuning rather than knee capping, uh, which what which it turns out was necessary to uh knock clones into more of an equivalent category uh you know it's it's it is funny as we were talking about the ways that republic is is still beating up on people when you think about how many times it's been nerfed down and in such extreme ways uh since like the very beginning uh but they're still hanging in there because just the act of sharing tokens it, which which reduces variance, which is super important. That was related to part three of the stuff that I wrote. Um, it's still good, even though even though it's only one per attack, it's still good. It is. Yeah. yeah, who knows? The exemplar may change in the future to be one per attack. Also, I don't know.
0: I, I, I hear a lot of people asking for that i'm not saying that i like know if if there was a change i'm not saying i know what the answer is i do think that that would kneecap the units that have example
2: yeah i think if you wanted to have them still see play it'd be make more sense to just do a cost increase
0: Yeah. yeah
2: that's fair but that's a discussion for another day it is it is um and they've said we're not getting any balance changes before worlds. So whether we like it or not, <laughs> this is the this is the meta we have at least until after this quote unquote season is over. So um, yeah, I'm excited to try G Oceans on Inquisitors. I'm unsure if there'll be enough to shake things up as far as what I'm playing, but we'll see. All right, well. We are the notorious scoundrels. I'm Kyle. We're the, we're the what? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I literally had like a hiccup in the middle of talking. Uh let me try that again. <clears throat> Being like uh, that attorney and my cousin Vinny. Um <clears throat> We are the notorious scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm Evan. Stay fresh, cheese banks. <laughs>